Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. This show is presented for all of 2024 by ASICS. I am such a huge fan of ASICS. In fact, I've been buying them for years and I couldn't wait to get them as a sponsor for all of the, the 2024, the entire year. It really is incredible. I'm tripping over my words because I'm just so excited. Yesterday I went for a run in the Nova Blast 3 Trail. It wasn't a trail run, but I love these shoes. They have a little bit extra grip. The thickness of the outsole is perfect and it really allows the Nova Blast 3 to be at its explosive best because it creates that little bit of separation and the trampoline effect, especially in the forefoot where I land. And I love that shoe so much. Well over 100 miles on that sucker. And I only got it like six or seven weeks ago. And I haven't been running that much. I just love running in that shoe specifically. So go to ASICS.com today to check out not only all their new releases like the Nimbus 26 and the Nova Blast 4, but also their incredible sales. I think they're finishing up the semi-annual sale right now, which is like 40% off a whole bunch of stuff. Not just shoes too, gear as well. Today we have a fun collab with the Relay Podcast. If you have listened to Relay, please go and do it and sing incredibly fun group to be a part of i'm so honored to be part of it myself there's eight of us in total and we cover some professional running with so much fun and interesting stuff and so many non sequiturs to boot we've been doing so much running olympic trials we even had our fantasy drafts the men and the women's fantasy drafts this past week so go check that out today in the podcast we're airing this here on Rambling Runner. We're also airing it on Relay because it really touches both sides of things. So we have James McCurdy joining Peter Bromka and myself to talk about what in the world is going on in the top of the men's field where we have two spots unlocked right now for the Olympics. So the top two runners at the trials will be going to the Olympics. Can we get a third? Can we unlock the third spot? What does unlock even mean? How did this even start? And what are some of the things that could happen post-trials where we could unlock that spot later on in the spring? All of these things and more are addressed with the expertise and help of James McCurdy. So let's get into it. All right, Relay friends, we are here for a short little little mini-sode here with James McCurdy, uh, the founder, head coach of McCurdy Trained, one of, if not the largest coaching group in the United States, but also someone who coaches a lot of elite and sub-elite runners as well, and Peter Bromka, who also is a sub-elite runner and coaches some elite runners in the field for the upcoming Olympic trials. And today, we are going to be talking about what in the world is going on on the men's side for the top three, top two, conundrum, kerfuffle, all the things, because this is Olympic trials week. And while we're watching this race, which is sure going, surely going to be an amazing experience, there is going to be this elephant in the room of, but maybe the top three aren't going to the Olympics. It might just be the top two. I think a lot of people have probably heard something about this. I think Sarah Lourdes Butler posted something over on Runner's World last week about this. So I just want to get ahead of this conversation before the trials so that when we're watching, we have some idea what the heck is going on. So, James, answer that question for me. What in yeah. the world is going on over here? <laughs> I just want to jump in and say, I think as a... As a fan of the sport, I would count myself as a pretty knowledgeable person. Um, we all know like three countries get to send three athletes to different events. Okay, that's fine. Um, and then I've known it was changing, but really this all became like forced into the spotlight by your series of tweets 
um, a handful of months ago now, oh, I think. Yeah. I can't remember when that was. And people were like, you know, people are texting, like, have you seen James's tweets? And I'm like, no, I left Twitter, but it became like the de facto explainer for that time, which is now kind of, it's things have changed since then. But you became like, everyone was like, if you haven't seen James's tweet thread, um, it is like the best explanation of what's going on. So maybe you can catch us off. I just love how you became like in, nationally known. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, well, it's, it's the voice in the wilderness, James McCurdy. Yeah. <laughs> just kind of <laughs> threw myself into the fray here. Um, willingly, apparently. So the, one of the reasons why I've been so invested in this process is because I do serve international athletes and it, this process also affected some of my athletes that are trying to make the Olympic team for their countries and their nations. And inside of that, uh, it was really important for me to have a good understanding of what the rules and regulations were going to be. Um, and even I even got into some arguments, friendly arguments, but some some back and forth with USATF officials because even they were a little confused on what World Athletics was actually saying. Um, so yeah, they, they want to have available maximum three positions per country, but world athletics also wants to make this the most elite marathon in world history. And so they have a, a limited minimum quota or yeah, minimum quota of 80 people. So in order to go above that quota, uh, the the available athletes to to run would have to have all eclipsed either top five at a platinum label race or two twenty six fifty on the women's side or two oh eight ten on the men's side uh, on eligible courses um, and so because of these rules and regulations we have found ourselves the United States the men in particular lacking because we only have two of those spots unlocked. The women, they have been crushing it for years. They unlock three, but the men, we are far behind on a global stage. Uh, even though we have amazing athletes that perform wonderfully at world championships, at, uh, at the world majors here in the United States, but on a global stage, we're, we just haven't risen to the occasion that our women have. All right. I think the term of art here in that which was a great introductory explainer is unlocked because I think this is where people get confused of like, okay, unlocked for whom and for what? Like this is, I think the part that, that really trips me up. Yeah. Yeah. Peter, you want to take that one? My understanding is that there's a bit of a, a transitive property within the nation, which I'm a big fan of, which is to say that, since we have had two athletes, two men run fast enough, they're saying, fine, fine. You've had two athletes run up to our standard. And so therefore your country can send at least two men. You get to choose by whatever standard, you know, as a nation and at, in America, we, you know, classically, uh, famously like have a race and you have to compete on one day to qualify. Um, and so therefore I do even, I get a little tripped up with the different times that people will have to have run to even be qualified for that. So that's something you could get into more. One thing I wanted to touch on that I think is worth noting is the Olympics. We're talking about qualifying for the Olympics and we always think, Oh, you know, 
you can make the marathon pretty big. You can include a lot of athletes from a lot of nations in that event. And the Olympics are like, are you kidding me? Like we're including skateboarding. We're including breakdancing. We're including, they're bringing in new sports um, to stay relevant, um, you know, and stay top of mind for mass audiences and global audiences. And so they're like, we don't want to add 50 people to the back of the marathon. We want to add like 50 participants in this global sporting event that might, you know, hit on TikTok or like, you know, be really exciting to a new generation. And I think that's the, my understanding is like, that's the broader context in which, um, you know, the actual head counts for the participation in the larger event are being slightly reallocated. Um, I don't know if that's, if you all interpreted it the same way as I did. All right, so James, James, who would you rather have in the Olympics, Scott Fomble or Tony Hawk? Yeah, is that where we're going? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it's it's like why can't you just add some more people to the back of that race? It's like it doesn't limit really anything, and it's like well, because being an Olympian a, is a huge, huge uh, honor, and there is some sense of a cap on how many you know how many people can come to the opening ceremonies and this and that, like there they're they're thinking about it at a very broad in a very broad way so that leads us to the american men have unlocked two uh based on time uh connor manson clayton young in chicago unlocked two spots for the u.s before we get into the nitty-gritty i, I would just say you know the the international olympic committee is not world athletics world athletics came up with okay. the standard it wasn't the ioc oh right so they, they huh. aren't actually, they're not taking into consideration swimming or skateboarding or soccer or basketball. None of that matters. It's not in relation to oh. it at all. World athletics is run by a governing board and they, in their infinite wisdom, I say that in all the sarcasm, uh, <laughs> have decided that they want to make this as, as quote unquote elite as they possibly can. Uh, so as to limit the scope of the sport itself, it's, it's a reason why they are also forcing any of the qualifiers to be on world athletics certified events, as well as, uh, events that are on their own calendar. They're trying to squeeze everything into their own governing system, which I don't think that portion is inherently bad because it, it does make everything on an equal playing field. But I don't, I honestly don't see the point in limiting uh, to 80. Uh, you know, they, they, they also used the ranking system. They, they expected that 50% of the field would come, would come from the rankings and almost for the women's field on a global set, uh, setting, almost 0% are going to come from the rankings. There's only like seven or, or five spots left on the rankings. And, there are 46 no. more marathons left to fill those five spots. No one is going to get in on the rankings on the women's side. And on the men's side, there's, there's, uh, there's 16 spots left. And, and again, there's 40 some odd marathons left. No one, very few men are going to get in. Certainly not 50%. It's going to be like four or five people total. Okay. That's helpful. I, like you, I stand corrected. That's really helpful context for how this came about. I, I do want to say, for anyone listening, you might be vaguely aware of this idea of a global list because um, I wanted to touch on that. My understanding is we've moved, World Athletics moved towards saying 
we'd like some people to qualify for things based on time. And then we'd also like to have a chance to have head to head uh, or not head to head um, global ranking be a way that you qualify for these championships. I have to admit, um, as someone who reads Kyle Merber's newsletter every Wednesday, I reach a point where I gloss over when he reaches like a certain level of depth about how insanely complex this is. And I'm like, I really care about this. I mean, I'm because he'll be like, he also goes deep into track and he'll be like, you know, to qualify for the 10K, you can also run this Spanish cross country race. And I'm like, I'm out. Like, I, I just can't care. Like, I'm out. Um, but okay. That's no, really let me, can I, can I throw something in there? Yeah. This, so Peter it, and James, it almost sounds like a very complicated, um, <laughs> in a very complicated way could be compared to like the men's basketball tournament in the NCAA, right? So the, the oh. March Madness, you have like the automatic qualifiers that can come from the conferences. They win their conference tournament and they're in the big dance. And then you get the at-large bids that can also be included. And the at-large bids sometimes are better than some of the qualifiers, but you have this yeah. kind of two-tiered system. In order to get an at-large bid, you have to be a good team. And there's different ways of proving that someone is a good team, whether it's the computer rankings, their win-loss record, their strengths of schedule, and stuff like that. Is that an apt yeah. comparison, or is that not, not, not quite hitting the mark either, James? No, I think I think that's pretty close, right? Like, I was, I was talking about this... Um just last night with a friend because my athlete uh from Lesotho uh just qualified for the Olympics like he okay. he made it he is he is the first one in on rankings because he uh he's 64th before January 30th so we're going to the Olympics like and he he but he, he made it into it by the secondary on the rankings and he was the first ranked athlete he's the best ranked athlete that didn't have the automatic time and he was fourth uh, place at the world championships it was hot it was humid nobody helpful. at the world championships ran under the olympic standard but he did uh or sorry he, he finished fourth and that allowed him to score a certain amount of points which elevated yeah. his rankings through the roof deservedly i just so. want to say as a fan you can google like i did road to paris World Athletics, you can go, you can select a, an event, and then you can scroll across names in the ranking system. And, you know, you get to see there are a lot of Kenyan athletes qualified for this event. Oh, um, yeah. And that are great, that are grayed out because they are super low on the Kenyan list. Um, and you're like, yeah. I mean, and so you can go country by country and go like, wow, there's a lot of great runners out there who their their federation could choose them and move things around, but they are... You know, it, it's inter it's interesting. It's yeah. I like to. It's um. I appreciate when a website is like at least usable, and you're like, oh, okay, like this is not insane. No, they they did, like, a, they did so a wonderful job illustrating in real time what with what the realities were. So, Matt, to kind of get to your question, I equate it like this: you have two swimming pools, and they only want to have sixty four people in total on both swimming pools. If you run the time or a place at a major event, then you are in pool A. If, though, you don't run the time, then you're designated into pool B. And as many people that get the time in pool A uh, up to 64, that will kick out how many people are ranked. So as of Sunday morning, there were only 63 men 
in pool A, which allowed for one single athlete, the best ranked athlete in pool B. So that was the January 30th deadline. The United States didn't have any athletes in pool B that qualified because it was actually my athlete, Tabello, who qualified. Now we have this other possibility where there are spots available. And if a U.S. athlete like Scott Fauble, Toshome McConan, Futsum Zenesalasi, Zach Panning, if one of those athletes or a new athlete runs under 208.10 at the Olympic trials, well, then we just added another athlete into pool A. Top three would go to the trials, assuming all three were under 211.30. Okay, so that's the secondary number, right? The, so you have to be under 211.30. Again, that's, in this case, irrelevant because someone needs to run you know, in order to unlock it, it's 208.10. Yeah. And in this situation, if we're talking about Olympic trials, and if it's like, all right, you need to do it here, well, then obviously it would be going underneath yeah. 211.30. But what if, say, Clayton Young or Connor Mance runs under 208.10 at the trials? Does that open up a third spot, or is it not no. because they've already done it? Okay. They've already done it. So, okay. So let me ask you this. So say, say Clayton or whatever, say the person who finishes third runs – 209 or north of that. Okay. But they finished third. Is there still a chance that that person can go to the Olympics? And if so, by what method? Our podcast is brought to you by V.O2, a coaching app based on the science of legendary coach Jack Daniels. Unlike most other running apps, V.Dot is truly personalized, understands the type of runner you are, what you're aiming for, what you're training for, and how to maximize your effort. It gives you a more basically gives you more control over your training, gives you feedback, and it really enhances the way that you can get data out of your training. And that's what I love so much about this system overall and the Jack Daniels stuff uh, in general. Like I, I think a lot of people in the coaching space have learned so much from Jack Daniels, and all that is embedded in the app. And once you do you know, basically find out exactly where you are in terms of your fitness, whether it's through a 5K, a 10K, or a test, like a time trial, it can really dial in the kind of paces you should be doing for all types of efforts, whether that's easy pace, marathon effort, all the way down to interval and VDOT sessions, not sorry, VDOT sessions, but VO2 max sessions, which can be really helpful. So if you want to give it a try, Go to v.o2.com today. Also, get 20% off by using code RAMBLING at checkout, and you get a 14-day free trial to see if it's for you. Also want to give a shout-out to our other sponsor, the For the Long Run podcast with my good friend, Jonathan Levitt. You're listening to this, a Road of the Trials episode. He's doing his own Road of the Trials episodes, but he's partnering with Wazell, and it is a really fun series. In fact, I had another episode out today, episode 301 with Elena Hede. Go check that out. They have a fantastic series going on. They're partnering with Wazell. Go check out Jonathan's podcast for the long run, wherever you get your podcast. Yes, yes, there is. So let's let's assume that first and second are already athletes that have run under 211.30 or they do under 211.30 at the trials, right? So right, now, which is a very safe assumption. Safe assumption, especially with the weather forecast. But um, let's assume that. And third place is 209.10, and they are looking to get into the trials. There's two ways that they can get – or into the, uh, into the Olympics. There's two ways that they can get into the Olympics. The first way is if somebody else – unlocks 
at Boston or London or another platinum label race or another uh, global event that's on the calendar of 208.10, then third place would be designated an Olympian. Okay. They, Can they unlock it with a half marathon time? Hold on one second. Hold okay, on here, one we second. here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Let's say that Galen Rupp finished fourth. And then he got pissed. He goes and he wins Boston. And he unlocks the spot. He unlocks it for third place at the okay. trials. Okay. Now, um, the individual that's in third cannot unlock it for themselves. I love this. I love this. Uh, hysterical. I was comparing this. I was carrying this. Um, I was comparing this, James, to like being a parent. And being like, okay, like my kids are named Callie and Grayson. Be like, listen, Grayson, you can't have dessert. It is locked unless your sister finishes her dinner and then your dessert is unlocked. It's the, like, I understand, <laughs> I understand the purity of what they're trying to do. They're trying to send the best team, the well-rested team. However, how are you going to tell CJ Albertson that... <laughs> Sorry, dude, you were third, but you can't go unlock this yourself. Like, are you kidding? He's proven over and over and over again that he's the type of athlete that could do that. Wait, and wait, then bounce back again and run the, and run the Olympics. The, um, the they there, who is limiting the ability to chase? Who is enabling or limiting? This, is, this specifically is the, is the USATF leadership. Now, I understand what we're trying to do. Okay, I understand it, and I, there is a pure just like to say, decision. I, I am the resident. Um, I'm the resident USATF hater. I'm not going to be allowed to go to Indianapolis, and the USATF is uh, going to kneecap me at some race because I routinely come onto our podcast and say, "You people are not helping our sport at a good." No, no, this level. decision, it, this decision in particular, is not in the athlete's best interest. It, in my opinion, and and I don't care about saying it publicly. It's just what it is, um, yeah. because now you take you take the the athlete's future out of their hands and you put it into by chance somebody else. Th this is this is how it unlocks with an automatic time. That is the first priority is to get the time. The secondary option is if we end up having a ranking position available. That means between now and May 5th, uh, an athlete ranked in the top 80, right? That's not Connor and that's not Clayton, okay? It has to be somebody else. That athlete cannot unlock their own ranking with a marathon, but they can unlock their ranking with a half marathon or a 25K or a 30K. So let's give an example. I've got Nathan Martin in the field. He, he's what I would consider an outside favorite to be in the top five and potentially top three. He's an incredibly talented runner. Now, what if he finishes third? Well, he can't go run Boston and, and, and finish in the top five to unlock it. He can't get the time in London because you're, he's not allowed to run the marathon. But what if there's positions open? What half marathon uh, events could he run? Well, in North America, between February 1st and April 30th, there's only one half marathon that is actually on the World Athletics calendar, and that's the New York City half marathon. So guess who, oh. is, guess who 
guess who's going to be creating an event in April, just in case we have an American in that spot? Hello. Hey, I love it. I need to. I can volunteer again. Yeah, I mean, it would keep it small. Um, we would have to put the paperwork in literally in the next two weeks because you have to do it within 60 days of the event. So we have really until the end of February to get it done by the end of April. Uh, but that's that's a big what if because that's only by rankings. There's no guarantee rankings right. are going to be available at all. All right. So let's think about what I could imagine being not the most desirable from the athlete's perspective, but an incredibly desirable storyline. For running fans, is the person who finishes third doesn't get the the, the standard right? They they fall short of two oh eight ten. I can imagine, especially if they are say part of a major running brand, right? The Adidas's of the world, Asics, Nike. That all of a sudden that brand like goes full scorched earth and like getting all of their athletes together to come together to then help out that individual. Like I think we could get like a really interesting like u.s team vibe by everyone's like let's do it you know like team 20810 like all all of a sudden these group of people who maybe had oh, other plans for the for the yeah. spring go on like you know team Keymaster and like just want to unlock stuff so i think that this would be a really fun subplot which again is not the most desirable thing from an athlete's perspective but from someone who loves following the sport yeah. It would make the spring incredibly exciting. You know, I do think I, I, I will say this. Sorry, Peter, go ahead. Oh, I just I think it's worth saying on this episode that I've wanted to context that the fact that the American women have been on the upswing across the board in any whole bunch of ways. Um, including in the super shoe era, they've been crushing. We have multiple women sub two twenty. We have women like cutting down times and just in a really exciting way. We haven't seen the same ascension of the time scale for the men. Like, yeah, there's some men, more men are sub 210. I remember Chicago, what was it like a few years ago? It was like, oh, wow, a bunch of, quite a few men got sub 210. And that was a big feeling. And yet we all kind of know like sub 210 just ain't where it at anymore. Um, we were hoping to see, I mean, I sat on the bus at Grandma's Marathon with C.J. Albertson, and he believes wholeheartedly he could run 206 and just is so frustrated he hasn't put it together. And I think there's other American men who are like, why have I not put together a 206? So it's all to say that, like, the elephant in the room from a time perspective is, like, it's a very hard thing to do to run 206, 207. Um, but I kind of love this idea of, like, what if there was a go-for-broke period of, like, I mean, I would just love to see like three American men at London just hammering splits, being like, we're going to both A, it's we could put it under the flag of un unlocking a third spot. And also just like the Olympics have already, the roster's already been decided. And I just want to, we're just going to go for broke. Now, I mean, this is like almost fanciful because as someone who's run hard marathons, if you said like, Peter, go try to run 212, I'd be like, this is not going to be entertaining. I'm going to blow sky high. So like it, it has to be within reason for some of these athletes, but it is, it's exciting to think about like, could they rise to the occasion? Yeah. The, the women are just so much better than the men, you know, like cherry of the end. They just are. And 
I don't have a, a reasoning behind it other than they just they just found a way to put up, you know, they just found a way to to get it done. And I have a feeling the men are on the cusp. If Zach Panning truly ran 16 miles at actual marathon pace a few weeks ago at 447 a mile, guys, that's yeah. 20506 pace, right? Like that's almost a minute faster than American record pace, right? Like if 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 Connor uh Connor Mance uh is in that same fitness, uh if Tashome McConan can manage to understand how to digest fuel. If Scott Fobel didn't have his his fueling issue in Berlin, um, I think we are on the cusp, if not at the trials, really close to seeing what it is we are actually capable of. But I also think we have an American obsession with quote unquote racing rather than time trialing. And oh. it's kicking us in the ass when it comes to performance. We're obsessed with racing all the time, race for, for placement. World Athletics has decided that time is the entire focus, right? Yeah. That's that's what they've decided. Do you, do you think that they're going to stay with 208.10 for LA 2028? Hell no. That standard is going to be like 206.30. We got to get out of this racing mentality and start putting up the times that the rest of the world is doing. And we're, 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 we're just falling behind. We have this mentality of just racing, 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 win the race. And it doesn't matter if you won the race or, or finished 20th. If you ran 206.10, you just, you just set one of the best uh, uh, marathons in U.S. history, right? Like, get the time. Worry about the race later. Unfortunately, at the trials, there's, there's a little bit, little bit of both going on. Yeah. yeah, and they don't have to be mutually exclusive because, I mean, shoot, for you know, for the World Marathon majors, it's both, right? You don't see 207.40 winning any of them at this point, unless it's Boston and it's crazy weather. So with all of that being said, James, we said this was going to be a short episode. We're going to cut it right here because it's at the 30-minute mark so we can be honest with our listeners. But thank you so much for coming on, for shedding light on this, on what it is, what it isn't. I will say we almost had a very similar situation four years ago. But then was it the race, the the men, the Olympic trials was then deemed, was it a gold race at the time? So that it automatically yeah. made it top three. It didn't matter. So we basically kicked the can four years down the line with all the stuff that we're talking about today. But this almost happened four years ago, but thankfully it didn't just for our own mental sanity. There's a reason it will not happen this time. And the reason it happened four years ago was a man named David Katz head of the World Athletic uh, uh, Competition Committee. He's the one that got the U.S. trials a gold label designation and saved the men's trials because we finally had enough men to qualify. But platinum has very specific rules and regulations about what type of caliber athlete you need to have, and we don't have it. We just don't. There you go. Well, here's to a – a week from now, basically, five days from now, us getting there. So, James, thank you so much for coming on and shedding some light on what hopefully is now no longer a very confusing situation. <laughs> <laughs>